Well, good morning. We want to jump in this morning. Uh, I didn't introduce myself earlier. My name is Daniel Hillian. I'm the student pastor here. And if you're a guest with us, I promise the preaching gets better. Uh, we, we like to, uh, Josh Odom spoke Wednesday night and we were talking earlier this week and he said, I, I think Steve did this on purpose. That way, you know, it can only go up from here, you know, and I said, I don't know about that, but there may be some truth to it. But I want to welcome you to service today. Um, and please, um, as, as we move forward through this week, uh, remember, remember our pastor in your prayers. Uh, I know that's got to be hard for him and his family. And so just, just remember him. Uh, but I want to open up this morning by asking a, a simple question. Uh, and I would hope that everyone in here could answer it today. Uh, it's a simple question of who are you? Okay, who are you? If you were to describe yourself to someone or if someone was to, to look at a profile of you, maybe that's on paper or through word of mouth from a friend, a neighbor, coworker, former employer who fired you or whatever it may be, uh, how would they describe you? Okay, um, for a lot of people in the room today, you might say, well, I'm a businessman, I'm a business lady, you know, I'm a mom, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a wife, teacher, coach, whatever it may be, who are you? Okay, um, but if your first answer to that question is anything other than I'm a child of the king, I'm, a, I'm saved, I'm blessed, I'm a Jesus follower, I've accepted Christ in my life, if your first answer was anything other than, than one of those things, I think there's some work to be done in your life. And I'm here to say that the guy with the microphone leading today, I'm preaching to myself today as well, okay? And so there's so many times that, that we kind of neglect that. We like to put Jesus on a back burner except when we need to. And so that's where we have this identity crisis that we're gonna kind of unpack today. Okay, and so I want today, as this is the first Sunday of the new year, I want today to be um, the day that we build a runway for the rest of the year, uh, that we, we build a good, solid foundation so that as we move through 2018, God can land the planes in our hearts of where we need to go and the things we need to do, okay? So y'all up for a little building project today? You good? Everybody awake? You can, you can participate today. That's totally cool. I like that in the youth group. Most of the time when students participate, it's they're laughing, making jokes, or not paying attention. So uh, y'all can participate in the correct way. I'm not into spectating. I'm into participating. And so uh, if something hits you in the right way today, you can give me just a mmm. Mm, mm, mm. You, that, that's okay. If, if you want to say amen, you just belt it out. That's fine too, okay? Just, if it's going to be loud, let your neighbor know so you don't scare them or anything like that. But uh, we're going to jump in today at the very beginning. We're going to be kind of all over scripture today. Um, but being the new year and a fresh start, I think we need to go to where it all began, and that's in Genesis chapter 1, okay? So if you want to go there uh, in your Bible or fire up your phone, your app, whatever it is you use, or you can follow along on this giant Bible we have up here uh, on our screens today. But in the beginning of scripture, Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God. And so right there, we know that before any of us were here, uh, long after all of us here are gone, there was God, there is God, and there, we, there will be God. And as you continue to read through Genesis, God begins to create, okay? And he creates the day and the night, and then he separates uh, the, the land and the water and the sea, and he continues through creation until something awesome happens, and he creates us. 
And in chapter 27, it says, so God created human beings in his own image. Don't, you're going to hear that a lot today, created in his own image. Don't forget that. If you hear nothing else today, if you're fixing to tune out, you need to know that you were created on purpose for a purpose because you were created in God's image and you are perfect. There's a lot of wives today thinking, you don't know my husband and what, like, he is far from perfect, okay? But in God's eyes, you're perfect, okay? You were created in his image, and don't forget that, okay? In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So right out of the gate, first book, first chapter of scripture, God creates human beings and is in perfect relationship with them, okay? There is not an identity crisis. Everything is going well. Ab and Eve are ruling over the garden. They get to name the animals and it is the perfect situation. There is no crisis. Everyone knows their role, okay? Well, then two chapters later, uh, being the human beings we are, we jack it up. Okay, and I want to dive into that today in chapter 3, starting at verse 1. It says these words. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And I want to pause right there. God is always bigger than whatever enemy you're facing, okay? Never, ever forget that, that whatever hurdles or obstacles that you have to face in this world, uh, God can overcome that, okay? He's the creator of all, all right? Let's keep going. One day, he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. Now, right here, I don't know if any of you can remember back when you were a wee little lad, uh, but I do because it wasn't that long ago for me. Uh, And I had really, really good friends that gave bad advice just like this. You know, you won't die. My friends would have been like, hey, let's jump off the roof and onto the trampoline. It'll be fine. Like, it'll be cool. And I'm like man, we could probably get hurt. And you hear that voice, you're not gonna get hurt, man. The chicks will dig it, dude, it'll be cool. Yeah, now every morning when I wake up, I have an ankle that sounds like a toolbox rattling around, okay? So good friends, bad advice. Uh, That's what the, the enemy's doing here. You won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. See, right here, Eve is having an identity crisis. She was made in God's image. Therefore, she has everything she needs, okay? But she's confused and the enemy's trying to say, no, you've got to, it's got to be all about these other things, okay? Verse six, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took the fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Okay, I I don't want to get into the debate. Well, it was her fault, was his fault, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's not the point this morning. The point I want you to hear this morning is that our identity is broken. 
okay? And it's something that each and every one of us are going to have to face in our lives, probably on a regular basis, because sin has broken our identity. That perfect relationship that God has created, sin has fractured that relationship, okay? Um, I don't know if any of you are Lego fans. Probably as a child you was, and now being an adult, you're like, I actually hate Legos because they're the worst things ever, okay? Being the kid I still am, I love Legos, okay? And, and I like to think about this, this fractured relationship with God like Legos, okay? Bear with me, all right? When you get a fresh box of Legos and you assemble whatever it is, car, truck, tractor, Star Wars is big right now, so you may have a spaceship or I don't know what the ships they call, fighter thingies, whatever, okay? When you build that, it's like, oh. Like I've built, like I created this and it's whole, it's complete, it's awesome, okay? Now, if you were like me and you got a fresh box of Legos, um, for some reason they always had the box, right? And then inside the box was a plastic bag and inside the bag was a vault that could only be opened with a retina scanner and palm print. And then inside the vault, the Legos were under lock and key or that's what it felt like to a child trying to open this plastic bag, okay? Now, if you've ever seen children uh, open things, they're not thinking with Legos like, I should probably go get a pair of scissors, cut the plastic and then I can pour the Legos out. No, 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 you're gripping that thing and before you know it, boof, there's a waterfall of Legos everywhere. And Legos come in nice little small pieces that will hide in your carpet so that as you're strolling through in the middle of the night and you step on those, your children will hear all kinds of phrases they probably shouldn't repeat in Sunday school, okay? Now, Legos, when they're together, they're cool, man. They're awesome. They're a lot of fun. You can have a lot of cool things. You can take them back apart and build other things. But when Legos are apart, they are a mess. And they're noisy because I remember my grandma, we used to have a big tub of Legos. And me and all my cousins, we'd be around and we'd be like <laughs> diving in there to find that one perfect tire that matched all the rest or that one three by two piece, you know, whatever. And she'd be like, y'all are being too loud. Pick them up one at a time. And it's like one at a time. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to pick these up one at a time. I'm going to dive off in there, okay? So Legos are loud. They're messy when they're not assembled, but when they're together, they're really cool and they're awesome and they function like they're supposed to, okay? The same is true for sin in our lives. When there's sin, we're just a mess. We're just kind of this, uh, just just a mess and we probably do and say things we shouldn't and that's why sin has affected our identity okay we're not whole we're in pieces and I think part of the reason is is that we don't see ourselves as created in God's image okay because when you've got a lot of little pieces you can't function correctly you've got to be whole and complete and so this morning uh, if you want the sermon kind of in a sentence, uh, this is it. We have an identity crisis, our identity broken, and this is the reason why. We don't know who we are because we don't know whose we are. And I, th I think that was the moment that, that Eve kind of stumbled because she was more worried about herself than about who she belonged to and that she was created in God's image, okay? And so if we look at this, I, by the way, if you're a note taker, that is a great note to take. I worked on that for like four hours. That's a, that's a pretty good line right there, okay? I don't mean to toot my own horn, but whoop, whoop, okay. Uh, take a picture of that, make it your background. We don't know who we are because we don't know whose we are, all right? And so 
to address this identity crisis, we really got two options before us today, all right? Now, uh, if y'all hadn't caught on yet, I'm a youth pastor, okay? So I like visual things. So um, if you think about your identity, okay, a lot of times we like to have what I call a built identity, okay? And being in student ministry, I see this all the time, far too often, that students want to build their identity. I have to be the number one star on the team, okay? I've got to date the most beautiful girl in the world, which by the way, I did and married her. Thank you very much. Uh, amen, that's what I'm talking about right there. But you build your identity, okay? And that's fine. You can, you can be the star athlete. You can be the prettiest girl. You can be the most studly dude, whatever it is, okay? And then as you get older, you're like, I'm going to go to this college. Uh, I'm going to become have this major and then I'm going to have this minor and then someone tells you, no, you need to double major. By the way, that's the dumbest thing. Why would you, college is hard enough. Why do you want to double up on it? Anyways, if that's you, hey, build your identity on it. That's fine, whatever. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a nurse. I'm going to be a banker or even after you get out of school, that's fine. Say you do all those things and you're like, you know what? I'm going to work my way up. I'm going to be the CEO of you know, Grand Brothers Electric or whatever, you know, I don't know what it is. You're, you're working your way up the ladder and you're going to be the best that you can be. You're going to be the best banker, the best financial guru you can be, okay? You're going to be the next head of Goldman Sachs, okay? Goldman Sachs, people, big finance company. I don't know what it is either, okay? Fidelity, there we go. You're going to be the, the top of Fidelity or whatever it is, okay? And this is what you build your identity on, you know? I'm going to be the best husband I can be. I'm going to be the best wife I can be, whatever it is, okay? Those are all good and fine, okay? You can build your identity on those things. And look, we've got a pretty solid structure here, okay? I could probably stand on top of this, but I'm not going to because that would lead to bodily injury, and I'm not really into that, okay? But you can build your identities. And if you look at this, pretty good looking tower at first, okay? It's pretty solid. You know, it can, it's not real sturdy, or it is pretty sturdy. Um, but let's say that as a, as a student, you were like, you know what? I'm going to go to this college. I'm going to get this degree, okay? And that's what you built your identity on is doing all these things. What happens when you don't get into that school you wanted to? Or what happens when you really wanted to go there, um, but you ended up uh, enjoying college a little too much and they told you, please don't come back, okay? That, that happens, okay? That's real world, all right? Um, it's okay, we can be honest in here, all right? Um, things happen, or say you're gonna work your way up the corporate ladder and you get almost there um, and you get laid off. You can't, you can't work your way up if you're not working there, okay? And then say um, you, your whole identity going through school and college was you were going to be so-and-so's spouse. You know, I'm going to marry this guy or this girl. And you do that. And that's, it's wonderful. It starts out great. But then you find out that person that you love so much kind of loves someone else more. And this identity that you have built that was once super, super solid, starting to get a little rickety. Or say you're like, you know what? I'm going to be that psycho sports parent, okay? Uh, and that's fine. You can do that. You can build your identity on that. And as your kids are young, you're going to go to all these deals and go to this volleyball tournament and this ball game and all these other things. And it's going to be the greatest thing ever. And life's just going to be great because they're going to get this great scholarship and do all these things. And as a kid, you're, you're pushing them to do all this. You're putting a lot of pressure on them. And then when they get to high school, they're just like, I'm really kind of burned out on it. And you're like, 
no, like you were my retirement plan. Like you were gonna play in the MLB and I was never gonna have to work. Like you are messing up my hunting lease and duck boat and all this stuff. Like you have to do this, okay? And I'm just saying you can build your identity on that, but starting to get a little wobbly here, all right? And then let's say um, you're a, a teacher, you're wanting to invest in other people's lives and all these things and uh, you want to you know, uh, invest in students and people and spend time with them and all these other things and it, everything's going great. Your identity, you know, it kind of looks okay. This foundation down here is getting a little, little sketchy. This looks like something I would build. Um, but then let's say you're, you're on the fast track to, be, to management, okay? You're, you want to be that business owner uh, and take over the company one day. And then before you know it, out of the blue, let's just say the company shuts down. And before you realize that this identity that you've built, I want to rip this out so bad and this come crashing down, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to try to gently do this. But this, this, bear with me, this identity that you've been trying to build for so long gets wobbly and then eventually this whole thing, I'm holding it up now, just comes crashing to the ground, okay? And so everything that you've worked so hard for that the world has told you this is what's important, this is who you need to become is over and it comes crashing down, okay? If your worth is based on something that's not con concrete, you're an identity crisis waiting to happen, okay? And if you build your life on people or things that can change, uh, this is what's gonna happen. And this is a very exhausting way to live when you're putting all your worth in this basket because you're investing in a stock that has no eternal value whatsoever, okay? So this is option one for the identity crisis today, okay? You can build your identity, okay? That's perfectly fine. God gives you the option to do that. Just know this is not the life that God has in store for you. This is not the person God wants you to become, okay? And so then that leads us to option two, my favorite, mainly because this title uh, is also the title of a greatest movie series ever, you can have number two, the born identity. Some of you are like, oh yeah, the dudes in the room are like Jason Bourne. I, if you haven't seen those movie, next snow day, get them, popcorn, liter of Dr. Pepper, two liters of Dr. Pepper, one for each arm and watch those movies. They are the best, okay? You can have a born identity. But what does that look like, okay? Well, Something happened in January of 1989 that many of you are not like history, like this is in the history books, like the, the earth kind of shook a little bit when this event happened. And some of you are trying to think, January 1989, what was that? Let me tell you, this was one of the most amazing things ever because in January of 1989, some of you may be going, that's the year I graduated high school. If that's you, I can tell you that you graduated high school 29 years ago because I, in a few days, will be 29 years old because in January 1989, I came into the world, okay? You need to know that date, okay? It's January 23rd, 1989, if, you're, if you were curious. But January 1989, Jeff and Carla Hillian, they're sitting right over here. Um, I was physically born, like, a month late is what mom says. So, but I, I came into the world. It became a much better, beautiful place because I'm here. Thank you. You're all welcome. All right. I was physically born January 1989. Okay. But something more important than that is March 1997. Okay. As a little eight-year-old boy, I remember uh, being at a youth service, you know, and I was sitting there. Um, we didn't have a youth pastor at the time because 
they didn't have youth pastors in the, ni- the early 90s. And so, mid-90s, late 90s. And so, mom was the youth director. And so, she's doing some skits on a Sunday night with the students. And I'm sitting by dad, you know, behaving. Yes, sir, no, sir. You know, pay attention. Don't play games. Don't ask for gum. Just focus, okay? And I was watching this skit. And my brother, who is older than me, he's, he's playing this homeless guy. And he's just trying to find some shelter or whatever. And I remember watching this skit, a little seven, eight-year-old boy. And I'm watching this, and no one will let my brother in. And I'm getting furious. And it's just a skit, it's just a skit you know. And uh, I'm watching this. I'm going, why will no one let Drew in? He just wants to stay warm. Why will nobody help my brother? Okay, uh, who is from the same mother? That's a joke, not important. Anyways, and I'm watching this, and I'm like, "Why will no one help Drew?" Okay, and and I remember just just sobbing, just crying. And Dad was like, "You need to go see the pastor." And so I remember going and, and sit down with my pastor and talking to him. <clears throat> and, and Brother Ronnie, he goes, "Man, what's going on?" I was like, "No one would help my brother," and he made this connection. He said. Daniel, that's, that's how Jesus works in our life. Jesus is that guy that's coming and knocking on your door and saying, I'd love to come in. And so many times we shut the door to him in our life, okay? In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. You see, when you open that door to Christ, when you let him in, you are a new person. So that old life that you lived, maybe you built your identity on those things that are crumbled to the ground and you're like, I need a fresh start. That's where Jesus can take that old life and say, it's gone. You know, the song says, as far as the east is from the west, okay? You can't build lasting identity because for a time, like when we first put that together, it looked pretty good and it's got to hold up. But as those pieces start to come out, your identity starts to get a little shaky and eventually this is going to happen, okay? And John chapter one, man, the book of John is good stuff. If you're not in, I encourage you to just dive into the book of John. It's good stuff. I've been there for two years now. Um, But verse 12, it says these words, but to all who believe him and accept him, he gave the right. We have the privilege to become children of God. Okay, so that was an amen moment, people. You got to participate today. That was a good one, all right? They are reborn, not with a physical birth. Like I can't go back to January 89 and do it over again, mainly because mom would not want that. No lady that has had a baby is like, Um, yeah, let's go do that again. But then you have more kids. So I guess you do. Anyways, not important. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And there's some people in the room today that can go, amen, I have been reborn. There may be some other people that are kind of on the fence. They're like, I don't know about this. Okay. Well, if that's you today, you may be battling this identity crisis. And maybe the answer for you today is to step into this born identity. Because if that's you, you are a child of God. Okay. That means you believe in God and you have received the prize that Christ has for you. Okay. Identity must be about whose you are and not about who you are. Because who you are in this life, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. Who you belong to holds eternal value, okay? Your identity is only found in God because we are made in his image, okay? So we've got two options this morning. We've got this built identity, which you can do that 
but you're building on a sinkhole, on a very, very unstable foundation, okay? Like Legos that are scattered all over a room. They're in pieces. They're not whole, okay? And like I said earlier, this is an exhausting way to live. It's full of one day you're at the top, and then the next day you come crashing down. You're in the lowest of low valleys, okay? You're investing in a stock that has no value. You're putting all your eggs in one basket knowing that at the end, someone's just going to take all your eggs away and probably take your basket away too. So why build this type of identity when you can have the born identity, okay? You can have your identity in Christ, which is whole, it's constant, it's stable. In Hebrews chapter 13, it says, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, okay? I like to tell Emily this because since we've been married, things will come up, she'll be like, when we were dating for like 19 years because you wouldn't commit, uh, you didn't used to do fill in the blank. And I'm like, no, babe, I'm like Christ. I was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And she's like, well, you can sleep on the couch, okay? Or go mow the yard or something like that, okay? Stable identities are only found in Christ, okay? That's the only way this thing works because what sin has fractured, Jesus can make whole, okay? So here we go this morning. You have the choice. You want to build or you want to be reborn, okay? So how do you change your identity? Apparently, it's pretty easy because I get calls all the time of how I need to protect my identity. So I'm guessing you just get someone's address, maybe social security number and become that person. I'm not real for sure. I'm not into stealing identities. But I do know how you can find a new identity in Christ, okay? Okay. and in order to do that, I, I want to look at a, at a Bible character that some of you are just going to be so excited that we're looking at this guy because he's, he's pretty awesome, okay? Uh, it's the story of Nicodemus, and y'all are going, that's in the Bible? Like, where's that at? Okay, well, he's found in John, okay? So let me, let me give you a little backstory on, on my boy Nicodemus here. Nicodemus is what we call a Pharisee, okay? He was at the top of his game. Okay, he was part of the Sanhedrin, which made all the rules and the laws and governed and set up all these taxes that said, you know, you could, as a, as a Pharisee, you could just roll up on the scene and go, um, hey, that's bread that you have there. Uh, you didn't t- pay taxes on that. That's uh, 14 cows or whatever. Okay, you could just do that. Okay, so Nicodemus was pretty wealthy. Okay, and Jesus, you know, burst on the scene doing what Jesus does and he he starts telling people, you know, you need to invest in eternal things. It's not about this world. The kingdom of God is near. And he keeps talking about this kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God. Well, the other Pharisees are getting a little upset at this Jesus character because he's dipping into their pocketbook where they can tax all these people and make lots and lots of money. Jesus is going, it's not even about that. You've missed it completely. And these Pharisees are supposed to be the religious law. I mean, they've even set up to what if this is what the Pharisees would do. They would say, oh, you're coming to Greenbrier Nazarene today. You want a seat? Uh, $20. You want to stand in the back? Uh, $15. If you want to use our bathroom? $400,000. Okay. That's just how they they would do stuff like this to make money. And Jesus is going, it's not about that, man. It's not about doing all this stuff. It's about being. And so Nicodemus decides, I'm going to go meet with this Jesus character and I want to get to the bottom of it because something's kind of turning in old Nicodemus's heart and he's like, I, some, I kind of want to believe him, but my life, my identity is based on something totally different. 
And so Nicodemus goes to meet Jesus under the cover of darkness. Now there's kind of two schools of thought here. One is he went at night, that way the other Pharisees wouldn't beat him up. That's, that's good. Uh, the other one was he went at night because he knew that no one would be there uh, and he could have a candid kind of one-on-one -on -one conversation because during the day, Jesus was doing his Jesus thing, you know, preaching to the people and he knew at night he could kind of have a sit down with him. And so Nicodemus goes to Jesus and he says, what is going on with this kingdom of God business? You know, how do I get there? What do I need to do? Do I need to raise more money? I mean, I'll start charging people a hundred bucks if they want to cheer in church. You know, what, what do I need to do, Jesus? And Jesus tells Nicodemus these words in John 3, 3. says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, now Nicodemus is going, okay, Jesus, I know you're like this all-knowing guy or whatever, Apparently, you don't know how biology works. Like, I cannot be go back in my mother's womb and like that's a one-way trip, man. The, 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 there's no re-entry, okay? And and Jesus is going, oh man, Nicodemus, that is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being spiritually born again. He's saying you have to accept me, okay? I'm that guy that's knocking on the door of your heart, saying if you'll let me in, I can solve this identity crisis, okay? In Romans 10:9, it says if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, okay? And it's that simple that in March of 1997, sitting in an old hard pew, no, they had cushions on the bottom. Um, they didn't have, they were wooden on the back. Anyways, not important. Sitting on a pew in 1997, as a little seven, eight-year-old boy, I got this. Okay, I understood this. And so many times we want to uh, complicate the scripture and Jesus going, man, kids can understand this is not a rocket science situation. You open the door to your heart and you follow me, okay? You have to accept me. That's kind of step one, okay? And I think a lot of times we like to get people in the, in, and say, man, you got to open your door. You got to let Jesus in. And then we kind of stop there, okay? But I want you to know today that that's step one of the journey, Okay, and the journey is that we have to change our focus from worldly things, this type of mentality, to thinking about eternal things. Okay, Second Corinthians chapter 4. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather, we fix our gaze on things on the things that cannot be seen. And I can just see the church at Corinth. Paul's just pouring out his heart. He's like, guys, you gotta do this. And they're going, well, how do we look at things that aren't even there? And it's like, oh, come on, church people, like get it together, okay? I can just, I can just see Paul's frustration um, because I think that's Jesus a lot of times in our own life. He's going, I made this so simple. Stop making this hard, okay? For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever, okay? If you want to build your identity this way, that's fine. I've said that, okay? It's okay. But just know, worldly treasures hold zero eternal value, okay? And that's where once we accept Christ, we've got to get our mind in the right place and start investing in things that are going to lead to eternal glory, things that are going to hold eternal weight, 
okay? So stop focusing on the weighty things that don't matter, okay? That new house, that boat, that car, you know, whatever it is, that holds zero eternal value, okay? Because the less you need from this world, the more you can enjoy it, okay? First Thessalonians, man, Paul is crushing it in our sermon today. He says these words in chapter four, make it your goal to live a quiet life. How many people were like, man, I would love to live a quiet life, but you know, I've got this job and I got, I got like 800 kids and they're all over the place, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, I would love for a quiet life. Paul's telling the people, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you before. Now, this is the good part right here. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others, okay? I think what Paul's trying to say here, he's saying if God has equipped you with numbers and finances and dollars just make you glow, be the best finance guru you can be. Be the best banker that you can be, okay? If you have, your only desire in this life is babies and kids, be the best mom you can be, okay? Do it with everything you have. Be the best dad, be the best teacher, be the best coach. If God has called you to sing, then sing. If it's to preach, then preach. Whatever you do, do it all for him and be the best you can be, okay? In the army? Nobody, okay. Uh, excel at what God has called you to do, but do so in a way that people can't help but want what you have, okay? That way, as you're strolling into work on Monday, just living it up because God came in a powerful way on Sunday and you're like, yes, right on, hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. And you stroll into work on Monday at 7.30 or whenever you get there and people are dragging in and they're just like, dude, why are you so happy all the time? Every, you have not frowned one day ever and our company is crumbling to the ground. What is going, what is going on in your life? that makes you so happy. What, what is in that coffee? Because I want some of it, okay? When you start getting those questions, you can just be honest and say, you know what? I, God has placed me here to be the hands and feet in Jesus. And that's what I'm trying to do. But at the same time, I know that my time here is limited, okay? So I'm, I want to be focused on my family and things here, but my real focus is on the next life. You know, I'm focused on the things that hold eternal glory, the things that have eternal weight, okay? Be who God has called you to be, but set your gaze upward, okay? You will never, ever, ever come in second when you put God first, okay? And never forget, you know, those small weighty things that you feel are weighting you down. Never forget to compare those things to the eternal glory, okay? So for example, this is a scale a lot of us use in life, okay? Emily got this to measure out hamburger meat because apparently it's cheaper to buy giant tubes of meat. Uh, meat should never come in a tube, but we buy tubes of meat and then we separate it out and we're supposed to use this scale and I just do it by the handful. But anyways, this is the scale we use in life, okay? And 
the things that are just weighing us down on a daily basis, we're like, you don't understand, Pastor. You're not in my situation. My kids are just, they're, they're nuts, okay? Or my kids, you know, this is going on. We've got to be here. They're in dance. They're in tap. They're in... I don't even know what other types of things they do. I'll get there, you know, being a dad. But my kids are so important. And you know what? Um, my retirement plan is them making it in sports, okay? I've got to do that, okay? And you don't understand the pressure I'm under, Daniel, to make sure that my kids do all this. Because one day, they're going to play for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and they could actually probably play for the Thunder now um, because I think anybody can just show up and play for the Thunder because they can't win a game to save their life, okay? But they have done pretty good here lately. But, you know, sports, this, my kids, then you don't understand the weight that I'm under, okay? And I can tell you exactly how much this weight. It's barely even registering, okay? This is weighing me down, Daniel. Or you may be like, you know what? It's all about, it's all about the stuff. It's all about the look, Got to have the look, man. Some of you are like, man, Emily. Shh. I'm telling you, you find a, me a van in a vest and sunglasses, he's a keeper. Uh, but the thing is, you know, this is all, it's all about the look, you know, and these, these are not the real Oakleys because notice this side works, this side is super glued. Uh, but it's all about the look. Focus with me today. Daniel, stay on track. It's all about the look, okay? I've got to have the bling. And if, Emily, if you wanted to, whatever this is and whatever this, if you needed it this morning, I'm so sorry. Uh, but it's all about the stuff. I've got to have the look, okay? I love to look good. But just so you know, anything of value that I have that <laughs> makes me look pretty good, it was either a gift or came off a sale rack. I promise you, okay? But it's all about this. Daniel, you don't understand the weight that I'm under. This is what's weighing me down in life. I've got to make money, okay? I am going to be CEO of Amazon and I'm gonna have little drones bringing us gifts all the time, okay? That's, you don't understand how weighty that is. And let me tell you, um, if I had the Super Black Eagle Three shotgun by Benelli that was in like Bottomland or Max 5 camo, I could be a much better witness for our savior, okay? So just know that my birthday, when was it? Jan Jan it is in January, yeah, that's like right around the corner. So Super Black Eagle Three, that would be great. Um, I just know, like, you, you don't understand the weight I'm under, guys. Like that shotgun is gonna help me witness to the people, okay, in the woods when I'm by myself duck hunting, okay? But you don't, you don't understand the weight that I'm under, okay? Or it's all about the truck. I've got to have this in my life. It's about the vehicle, the house, the car, the plane, the plane, okay? Let's go with it, okay? The plane, apparently Cooper's been in the box, okay? It's about the plane, okay? And all these things, you don't understand, Daniel. You don't understand the weight that I'm going through. But then when the bright lights come on and they start shining down on you, it's, it gets to be a little heavy, okay? And then I've got some screws and some nails and some tetanus in this little box, okay? But then life happens, okay? And this weighty stuff gets 10 times heavier because that job that you wanted so much, that, that plan that you've had for your life, that identity you've been building, the company shuts down. Or that relationship that you're investing so much in, um, they divorce you and they leave and they find someone else. Or you know what? I have tried to be the best parent I can be and my kids are crazy. My my. my dad has passed away. My mom's got cancer. I hate my job. I hate my house, everything. Um, you know, there's uh, the ceilings leaking and the toilets flooding. And, and you just don't understand, Daniel, the weight that I'm under. 
because it's painful. This is life, people, and it hurts and it's real. And some of you today are going, you don't understand, Daniel, because the person that I have looked up to my whole life, they have cancer now and they're dying. How, how do I deal with this, Daniel? You don't understand the weight that is on my life because of what's going on. And I think so many times, this is how we live our lives. We live our lives with this little bitty scale that tells you all these little minute details and all this other business, okay? And a lot of times we can, this is how we live our lives if we're just honest, okay? And if I was to get on this scale, the first row right here would get plastic shrapnel because it would explode, okay? Because this, this scale wasn't meant for me. And I think a lot of times God's going, this is not the scale I have for you, man. He's going, I got a bigger scale, okay? If I get on that, it's gonna explode. I can get on this right now and I can tell you exactly how much it says, which is, it's none of your business what it says, but I've got a resolution, okay? Far too often in life, this is how we live. We live with this little scale and we're going, you don't understand this life is so hard. You know, this world is so bad. We're living this built identity and this is fixing to happen and God's going, get a bigger scale, man. Because look, if I take the world's problems and put them on God's scale, it didn't even move, okay? Because if you're using an eternal glory scale, if you're using God's scale, um, there is more than enough room to handle the little minute details of this life. The little things that you think are so weighty, God's going, it doesn't even move the needle on my scale, okay? So I'm here this morning to say that if you're exhausted of living this identity crisis life, you're tired of living this identity that the world's trying to run down your throat saying, you gotta do all these things. You, got, you have to go to Paris before you die or whatever it may be. If you're tired of living that life, God's going, Get a bigger scale, man. Find the things that hold eternal glory. They're far weightier than the little things of this life, okay? If you're tired of building on this unstable, shaky ground, man, get a bigger scale, okay? God's got plenty of them to hand out. If you're sick of the roller coaster that life sometimes has, and when you try to build your identity and you're up one day and you're down one day and life is crazy and I just, it's, it's nuts. If you're tired of that, Maybe you need to focus your gaze from the worldly things to the heavy things and God's going, I can help that happen. It's with a bigger scale, okay? Because if your scale can handle God's glory, there is more than enough room to handle the difficulties of this life, okay? You can't measure the little things or they're just going to weigh you down and get in the way and cause you not to be able to focus on what's truly important, those eternal things, but if you factor in Jesus' promise reward, okay, where he says, follow me, okay, come to me, open your heart to me. He told us, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'll have it ready when you get there, but you have to allow me into your life, okay? Don't forget to factor in that promise reward because you know that the cross, what Christ did for us on Calvary, it leads to the crown, man. And if you, if you read the end of the story, uh, God wins, okay? And I don't know about you, but scripture says, run the race in order to win. 
And so I'm, I want to be on the winning side. And so I'm going to put my eggs in the basket that hold eternal glory, that hold eternal weight, okay? Because the God who raised Jesus from the grave can also raise you up as well. And so this morning as we close, I, I just want to ask that question again. Who are you? Are you living this life of building your identity? And you build it up. And then something towards the foundation of what you've established, who you are on, gets yanked out from under you. Or life happens, things out of your control happen, and then your identity comes crashing down. If that's you this morning and you want to keep living that life, go for it. But I'm telling you, there's a bigger scale out there with your name on it. And it's a far much more enjoyable life to live, okay? So do you want to build your identity or do you want to step into that identity that Christ has for you? Let's pray this morning. Father God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for um, just the opportunity to dive into your word, God, just to speak truth about what this world is trying to tell us we have to do versus who you've called us to be, God. We were created in your image and each and every person here was created on purpose for a purpose, and that is to bring glory and honor to your name. Each and every one of us are wired a bit differently, God, and I thank you for that, for the, the creativity and the beauty that comes with, with it, God, but I pray that each and every person here would not make it about them. They would focus our, their attention from being me-centered to being he-centered, and their eyes are focused on you above all else, God. So I just pray for each and every person here. For those that have that, that born identity, God, I just want to encourage them. Can the flame be stoked up a little today that as they start this new year and as they go to work tomorrow, they can be that person that shines a light in the darkness. They can be the salt of the earth wherever you've planted them. And for those that are continuing to try to build their identity, God, and build their identity and build their identity. I pray today that they would just receive you. You're at the door and you're knocking and all they have to do is open their heart to you today, God. And I pray that they would take that step, but not let it stop there, God, that they would change their focus from the worldly things to the things that hold eternal weight, God. And so I pray that, uh, for those trying to build that identity, God, that they would just sense your urgency today, God, that they know that you are there, God. I pray that you would just bring people around them that can encourage them and help them to take that next step and to continue taking the, the steps after that as they continue to grow closer to you, God. So thank you again for this day, God. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come together uh, to worship you freely, God, and to open our hearts to what you have in store for us, God. We just ask that you would watch over us as we go from this place and help us in everything that we do, God, to always keep our eyes focused on you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Guys, you're dismissed. Have a great afternoon. Uh, the youth pastor got you out before lunch. So have a great, great day. <laughs>